You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 86 covering Sins of the Father and Allegiance with Vishal Baradwaj. Hello friends, we are back and our pal Vishal is here with us. Hi. He's Hi. here from the far off place of wherever the hell that is, the UAE? The Foreign UAE. Lands. The United I never know what to, is it em, em, Emirates, Emirates, how do you, how do you Emirates. say that? Uh, Emerald? Right. Yes, you're coming here from Emerald. <laughs> Bab. <laughs> <laughs> and reporting live from a formerly famous television chef, it's Vishal. <laughs> and reporting live from jokes from 1998, it's Matt. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I stand by it. <laughs> Very well. If Futurama still thinks Emerald's funny, then so can you. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Thank there you. There you go, yes. My uh, spice weasel is prepped. <laughs> The spice weasel is pretty funny. <laughs> speaking <laughs> speaking of cultures that eat strange things, how's that for a seg? Wow, um, <laughs> we're doing a Klingon episode this week. Vishal's favorite. Yes, yes. Um, Vishal, you had originally uh, actually requested a different episode, and unfortunately, circumstances <sighs> made it so that you couldn't join us for that one. Yeah, so this was I, sort of I your had requested uh, an episode in. Uh, Season four, family, <laughs> which is probably one of my favorite episodes, but uh, I, I I won't be in town at that point, and I think I would cry anyway if I was talking about <laughs> it. So that is that is one of those episodes. A couple of weeks ago, when we did the Offspring, I mentioned that, mm. that there's one or two other episodes that make me tear up a little, and that is that is one of them. Which one's yeah. family? It's the one that happens right after Best of Both Worlds, where Picard goes it's... back home and meets his brother and deals with the whole aftermath of the Borg thing. Ah, yes. Oh, and my little nephew, Rene. Yes, who ends up playing a younger version of him. Yes, his number one You're not my dad. father! <laughs> uh, don't remind he's, me. He's, I'm his number one nephew. Oh. <laughs> Fun trivia fact about that episode, and I'm sure I'll bring this up again, is uh, that is the only episode of, of either the original series or Next Gen with no scenes on the bridge. Oh, Really? Okay. Yeah, there's no like there's some stuff happening on the Enterprise, but they never go to the mm. bridge once. So huh, yeah, kind of a kind of an unconventional episode. But mm. unfortunately, you can't do that one, so you're going to do these instead. Okay, then. How fun for you. Which feels like kind of a step down. It does. Also, uh, Kim is very upset that you, you get to be here for a Klingon episode, and you don't even care. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I I'm quite surprised at the amount of uh, open. <laughs> Uh, hostility. hostility. Yeah, fucking yes. people turned on you, dude. I know. Yeah, they did. Like, I did not no. mean to throw you under the bus like that. I just, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that we don't all have the same opinion. That's kind hmm. of uh, that's why we do a discussion show because we don't all have the same opinion. Hey, look, I'm not going to say that I love Voyager anymore. So you know, I'm not all bad. <laughs> you went well, back and looked and said, "Oh God, no, I don't." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you if if there are episodes though, you should join us for those because we do need to find some people who can defend that show because we're not going to be able <laughs> I, to. I, I, I can defend it. Some right. I can defend it academically, but oh god, some of those episodes. 
Well, even if you just want to play devil's advocate and just sort of mm. stand in for, mm. you know, someone who yes. likes the show and pretend, that would be okay. Well, you want to least, stand in for Janeway. Yeah, oh, no, I'll, I'm not standing in for Janeway. I will only ever show up and say, well, at least Jenny Ryan looks nice this time, which is like all the time. So Yeah, but you don't, well, have a, you don't get her until, what, season five or six or something? Like, she's not there until halfway through the show. Yeah, but I can, yeah. I can still say that, you know, because she still oh, exists in well. the world as a real person. So. <laughs> very well. I just picture you like Barton uh, at, in the Camp Krusty episode, Jerry Ryan's coming. Jerry Ryan is coming. <laughs> Gonna bring us food and water and smite our enemies. <laughs> well, speaking of smiting our enemies, Matt. Mm. Oh, you just got sideways out the yin-yang today. Yep. Well, let's let's never mind my yin-yang. Let's talk about sins of the father. All right. <clears throat> so you guys remember when Nails transferred over to the Klingon ship? We all learned a little bit about respecting other people's culture and all that bullshit. Well, turn about is fair play. Meet Kern, the Enterprise's new commander and breathy-voiced, buggy-eyed Klingon. He rides a crew like crazy, makes Geordi and Wesley agitated, and is, a, and is an absolute mess at the dinner table. Oh, and worse no. than that, he's a complete dickhole to Worf, treating him as a human who must be coddled. So when Worf has finally had all he can stand and he can't stand no more, he confronts Kern and Kern reveals to himself to be Worf's brother. <laughs> Suddenly, the entire episode 180s, turning from a hilarious fish-out-of-water episode where we all learn a little bit about blah da da or whatever, into a fascinating political episode about family and honor. Kern explains to Worf that he did not die with the rest of Worf's family at the Kimmer Massacre, and tells Worf that, that uh, Worf's father, Moog, is accused of betraying Klingons to the Romulans. Worf asks to take a leave of absence so that he can defend his name, and Picard takes the Enterprise to go with him, because that's how JLP rolls, yo. <laughs> Kern takes a role as Worf's sec- second, and the Klingon Emperor meets with Worf, begging him not to get involved with, with the Emperor in any way. When he's got a life at Starfleet, Worf tells him to go fuck himself, but, you know, in Klinglish, and then <laughs> some, some knife-wielding chaps try to kill Kern. Kern is saved, and Picard takes over as uh, Worf's second and sends Data to find out if there are any, any witnesses to the Kittimer Massacre. Turns out Worf's nanny is still alive, even though she tells everyone that she's dead at the slightest provocation, and she has evidence to clear <laughs> Worf's name. Unfortunately, the Emperor doesn't want to hear it, already knowing that Worf is innocent, and that proving it would destroy the Klingon Empire in Civil War. Worf bites the bullet and takes one for the home team, allowing himself to be branded a traitor and banished from the Empire. A fate far worse than death, but he also let him keep the sash so that he and Jordy won't get their shirts confused. <laughs> Very nice. This, I I really enjoyed this one. I, 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 in general, like the Klingon stuff, I think they got a little carried away with it after a while, but for now... This is really the first time you get the the bigger scope of what the Klingons are about, and they're not just standing around snarling and not bathing. Like there's, there's finally <laughs> ah, a we smell it. bad. Somebody's writing a culture there, and I like that. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, let's no, uh, go into the your... whole politics thing. Is just so cool. Yeah, it is. Well, let's uh, let's do your good thing, bad thing. Very well. Uh, so the acting in this in the scene where uh, the Klingon Emperor guy Duras, uh, Picard, and Worf all hash out what's going on is so well acted it's insane. Like I don't normally uh, click with the acting, but uh, this was just awesome. Picard's completely righteous, righteous. The Emperor's covering for himself. Worf's willing to die for his brother so the Empire can live. It's just so well done. It is, and I would say it's a bit Shakespearean. Except I don't actually know Shakespeare enough to say that. I just know other mm. people say that. <laughs> but it's it does Shakespearean in the sort of cultural understanding of it. Well, yeah, everyone gets it because they're talking about big, broad themes, and it's sort of melodramatic, but it's still sort of relatable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about your bad thing? 
Uh, I think Duras is a little too villainy for my taste. Uh, he spends a lot of time looking like he's about to start twirling his mustache. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that. Um, well, Vishal, Honestly, how about I like this movie way too much, to, or this episode way too much to find anything terribly wrong with it. Yeah, I noticed some of your like your notes sort of descended into "fuck, this is great, fuck, fuck, fuck." Yeah. Okay, this was me oh, a couple of weeks ago with yesterday's Enterprise. So yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> All right, Vishal, you are the dissenting opinion. What uh, what I... say you? <laughs> I'm not as you know, much I'm, of a dissenting opinion, but I'm uh, playing this up for fun. I know you. Uh, look, yes. You like Star Trek. I That's hate clay gods. I hate them so bad. <laughs> them and those humans. <laughs> oh God, you're a Ferengi sympathizer. Abort, oh, abort. It's the years. It's the years. It's the naked wow. women and all that latinum. Well, <laughs> it is hard to resist the latinum. It's delicious. And the naked women. Well, yes. Naked now. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's not naked time yet. It's naked time. <laughs> All right, Vishal, what about a good thing? Did you manage to think of a good thing, you horrible hater, I, you? I did. I I actually enjoy this episode. I mm-hmm. like that it's very streamlined. They don't have a B-plot at all. Mm-hmm. Because uh, because when you're going in, you think, oh, it's going to be the same episode. It'll be the opposite of the Riker uh, exchange right. episode, which this uh, which this episode yeah, also Yeah, they just do it for two mentions. acts, and then they decide, nope, never yeah. mind. Yeah, because you know you got that scene with Wesley and Riker, and he's like, oh, "But but Gunn hates me. What do I do?" And then you think, "Oh, this is going to be this episode." Oh no! Yeah. But then yeah. suddenly it's like, "I'm your brother, and let's go off and defend the family honor." And Bart was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> That's a oh great God, war like impression. You wrote this okay. episode. <laughs> okay, brother, we well, need to go to the Klingon homeworld. Yes, well, it has coincided with this uh, fortuitous b- bureaucratic exchange. Well, he he yeah. arranged it. You see, he's a mastermind. Ah. He's a he's a criminal yes. mastermind. Yeah, um, he's no Chris Lada. Well, of course not. <laughs> I think Chris Lada might have been face down on his own puke by this point, though. <laughs> they might have wanted to get him back. Vishal, I don't know if you if you heard the episode we did with the other exchange. Uh, uh, crew, but the captain I of that I ship did. was actually Chris Lotta, the guy who did Starscream and Cobra Commander's voice. Oh, okay, okay. I I, I think I heard that episode, but I didn't make that. Yeah, it was, it was, it's the one where the Klingon Empire builds a weather dominator. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to go to four different quadrants with different kinds of weather to yeah. to get ah! the elements oh, to build it. Oh God! I think you just described my ultimate victory of Star Trek show. Yeah, <laughs> except instead of. And- Instead yeah. of shipwreck, we'd need to put shore leave in it. Oh, yes. <laughs> shipwreck Thanks. and shore leave together. Oh, God. Our, our oh. friend Gregory, um, dressed as a shipwreck at... Um, I, I have seen these pictures. It, yeah. it's, Heroes it's Connor, awesome, Dragon Connor, one of those. And it's, it's a picture of him with, with a guy dressed as shore leave, and it is just so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> even if I didn't know the guy, like, even, if, even if I didn't know the guy, it still would have been a great picture, but uh, that would have made it even better. <laughs> Okay, so what about your bad thing? Uh, well, much as I try, I am just indifferent and often bored by Klingon politics. That's fair. And you know, it's it's just it's just something that rubs me the wrong way. I can I'm I'm not very entertained by it. I okay. mean, I can I can look at it. I can say, oh, look, that's very well done. the The episode is really well done. You know, the the acting. It's just not your thing. All. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> well, look. I come from a culture which has several people who behave like Klingons. <laughs> They're very oh, so this well- is a self-hating Indian thing. I see. Yeah, this is 
self-hating about parts of India, there are a lot of people who are very much about honor and ritual and like, you know, they're very uh-huh. thin-skinned and melodramatic and they're bullies, basically. Uh, and you know what? Even we tell those guys to shut up and chill the fuck out, so. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I, I like the Klingons. I like that they... This is really, like I say, the first time they, they took them yeah. from more than just snarling bad guys. Like, they're really teasing out the, the the idea that Worf is on the Enterprise is fine. But you mm. if you're going to have sort of the new Spock character, which is a representative of a whole people, then you yeah. have to like you have to go to that home world at some point and show us what they're like. And, and, and you I need like, your Amok time. Exactly. And, and I like that Worf is not really, um, you know, representative of all of Klingons. Klingons oh, not are at much all. more... You know, they have a lot more fun world. than he has. Yeah, we don't see that at first here. Like this is a, like this episode is all about you know mm-hmm. politics and honor and stuff. It ta- mm-hmm. it'll take us a few years to sort of see uh, Worf kind of a stick in the mud. It happens more in Deep Space Nine when the whole yeah. war thing happens and he's hanging out with yeah. other Klingons and they're like, we drink and we fight, and he's like, but yeah. honor and opera, no. Oh. <laughs> when Martok, the best Klingon ever, shows up. Yeah, <laughs> um, I forget which one is Martok. General Martok. Yeah, he was the one with the one oh, eye. Yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah, he's pretty great. I, yeah, I that love guy Mar- was the shit. I love Martok. I love Klingon um, Worf's. What, what's his wife's name? Kalis. Oh, Kalis. Yeah, she'll oh. only be here. Or uh, oh, sorry, Kalor. Kalor. Yeah. Yes. Kalis is the unforgettable. I can't believe I forgot. Yes. That. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, no, I love those two characters. I like Kern. I like Worf's brother. I think I Tony do. Todd is a great choice to play oh, a Klingon. He's, he's got that. He's, He's huge, and he's got a presence, and he's got an intensity that I think really works as a Klingon. Oh, fuck yeah, he's got an intensity. Everyone in this episode has radio voice. Yes. (laughs) They all have very distinct, even the guy who plays the Klingon, what's his name, the the Emperor guy. He's just like scene-chewingly good voice. I, I love him lounging in his throne yeah. wearing a thousand medals. Just, Whoa! <laughs> and, that, and that old woman, just like, uh, I, I never dated fat. him because he's too fat. And then she goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're still too fat. <laughs> I, maybe that's the Shakespearean thing I'm talking about because they're all mm. projecting and they're all sort yeah. of exaggerated versions of, of real people. And I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of dig that. Uh, so my good thing was, while this is a good Worf episode and our first real fleshing out of the Klingons as a culture, the one who really shines in this episode is Picard. He has, we've been talking about this all season, how he just keeps mm, getting mm. badass moments in every episode, and this one, more than ever. Oh, yes. He fights off, what is it, three guys with knives? Yep. Oh, yeah, that was great. Stabs a guy to death. Yeah. Kling- he stabs a Klingon to death. Yep. <laughs> he holds his own in a fight with three guys, and he ends up having to get bailed out, but he holds his own for quite a while. Yeah. And just when Worf says, I need you to step up, he steps up and he starts speaking Klingon and he knows their laws and he just, yep. he's so cool. No, I, I, and I love, I love the scene where, uh, Worf, uh, asks him to be, I forget what his, what the Klingon, yeah, basically his second. Right. Was um, lawyer more or less. Yeah. But like, I love that scene so much and Picard's like, well, you know, there's probably younger, more more uh, athletic men on the ship. And Worf's just like, there's no one I would rather be. Yeah, it was one of those moments where, you know, I'd always get sort of, like, wistful and, and, uh, you know, I'd love it. Like, the whole Kirk and Spock and Bones are friends thing. It was one of those moments. Like, Mm -hmm. aww. It's really sweet. I like that Picard does not stop being Picard just for the sake of the episode. Oh, no. He 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 manages to maintain his Picardness while at the same time, you know, not 
stepping down yeah. from Klingons. Like, he can look them His in the eye. His essential eyes. quantifiable Picardness. Yes. Mm. His Picarditude. Picarditude. <laughs> <laughs> My bad thing was, well, like we've been saying, Klingons episodes are sort of, by definition, melodramatic. Mm. But there's a few particularly clumsy lines of dialogue. Like, one of the act ends with, I would expect that from my brother! Dun-dun-dun. Like, it was a bit too heavy it was, it was very dramatic, Chipmunk. Yeah. <laughs> Is that chipmunk or a groundhog? I don't remember. I, yeah. I, I would pay such good money to see Kern do that sort of spin around <laughs> Yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> the sudden close-up thing. Yeah. There's another, like, you're getting close to something. Something big. Just like... I think they were one draft away from a bit better dialogue. You can do the over-the-top Klingon stuff and not speak like a, a horrible this, 40s plot movie, you know? Like I think like this, was a, this yeah. was a spec script. Written? What, are you sure? Because Ron Moore was involved with it. Um, I, 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 think it I think it was a spec script which, that was touched up by Ron yeah, Moore or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Because I know he had a hand in most of forming most of the Klingon stuff. Yeah, mm. I think he did all the, like, the lore and the, the mm-hmm. just the sort of the, the culture of it. What I, I really like, way. and this won't come out until Deep Space Nine, you think this is such a big deal that Worf's lost his honor and, and all hmm. that, and then you find out this happens constantly. He gets it back, spoilers, yeah. and then he loses it again, and then he gets it back again, and in the meantime, this and is happening to like all these other Klingons that we see. This is not an unusual thing. This happens constantly. And What and I love is how, how serious he takes it. Oh, yeah. Well, right now we oh. think it's like, oh my god, no Klingon has ever experienced this. And it turns out they're always doing this crap. No, they love most this. of them have. But I think that is the the sort of crux of the episode that really works for me. It's that it's not about Worf losing his honor. It's mm-hmm. about that the fact that him losing a connection to his culture at all is the most important thing to him. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because so he's barely a Klingon to begin with. Yeah. He grew up around humans. He's always trying to prove himself. So just losing that sort of vital link to have your entire yep. culture say, look, you're not going to be a part of us anymore. That's more important to him. So, Yeah, it, absolutely. It, that it, is it a real punishment better. and not just yeah. on paper. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that, like, I, I guarantee that if he hadn't found out he had a brother, he would have just willingly, like, died. Yeah. Yep. Just like, yeah, well, you know, honor. So that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I love the scene at the end where they all turn their backs on him. That's yeah. I mean super melodramatic, but it's just very yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's so perfectly it well fits. done though, you know. Yeah, it did. I like the look of the Klingon homeworld. I I do think it's interesting that until Star Trek Six, which wasn't out yet, the Klingon homeworld didn't have a name, and they just kept calling it the Klingon homeworld. Mm-hmm. Klingonia. And then after, what's that? Klingonia. <laughs> Kling. I'm really just. I'm really glad they didn't call it like Clang or something. Well, that's the thing. In in some of the '60s, like the '60s and '70s books, they did call it Cling. Hmm. Oh God, really? Yeah, they're, they're famous for their peaches. <laughs> oh God, you're the worst. I went there. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> in heavy syrup. Oh God. Tonight no, I, we shall I... dine on Melba. <laughs> I <laughs> I really did like the look of the Klingon homeworld, though. I do think they must have spent a lot of money because there were a lot of Klingons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in that ending scene. There were like mm. 10 guys who turned their backs on Worf. And I got yeah. to fortunately watch the uh, the high-def version of this. I thought, saw this on Blu-ray, which I would like mm. to talk about mm, for lucky. a minute. Um, this was one of the three episodes on the sampler disc. It was the pilot. It was, yeah, the pilot, this, and then, um, fuck, the one more, uh, the inner light. Inner light. Yeah. 
Oh, which like... very strange choices. Not really affects heavy episodes. Like no, yeah. you'd think like Best of Both Worlds or something. Yeah, or the finale, or you know something with a lot of visual effects. But mm-hmm. but the interesting choices, good episodes, and the pilot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. No, it was it was cool to see the Come pilot. On. They did Grapnel Zone in high def. <laughs> yeah, that was the cover art for our supplement one of our supplemental <laughs> shows because look at him in 1080p Grappler Zorn. <laughs> no, this Those was apples. this was <laughs> you could see apples that you couldn't see in the standard version. No, the it's thing apples is, all the way this... down. <laughs> and then it's peaches. <laughs> now the the thing is after watching two and a half years, you know, two and a half seasons worth of this. I, I'm not really an HD guy. I mean, I get it. I know that it looks better, but I just don't care that much. But mm-hmm. I really saw the difference after watching yeah. sort of murky digital copies that I made from DVDs a long time ago. The, the colors, just the uniforms, yeah. the primary color uniform, just gorgeous. And the everything's so much better lit. Like, it's just mm. brighter. And it's just, it's beautiful. And the, the shots on the Klingon homeworld with the matte paintings and the models and stuff looked great. Just everything oh, yeah. looked really, really good. The matte really paintings on this show are just some of the best I've ever seen. They are. My problem is you get that shot of Homeworlds, and after a while, it's the same shot. You get yeah, that same shot same of one. Romulus with the one building and a few people walking in front of it. You get the same shot of Cardassia with the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, with I, those same he, three guys walking in the same patrol <laughs> yeah. routes. They probably... Well, off to work again. Yeah. They probably have the same extras just put on different costumes and makeup and uh, just shoot yeah. it again. It's it's Ron Moore in a wig. Right. <laughs> But I mean, it's it looks it looks cool. Um, yeah. I guess it's like their their high council or whatever, and it's mm. it's very nice. And like I said in the Blu-ray, it just it looks gorgeous, and I can't wait to see the rest of those episodes, you know, restored because they did a yeah. really good job. Mm. Um, I was just reading the other day. A friend of mine, um, Jim, sent me this link to the season two set. Apparently, is going to have Measure of a Man with like twenty minutes of extra footage in it. Okay. Oh my god, how cool is that? Yeah. Ooh. And what he pointed out was the headline that said "Extended Measure of a Man." T. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to take credit for that observation, but that was all Jim. But, uh, but that was pretty damn funny. Um, but now, so I'm looking forward to that. The first set of season one comes out, I think, next month because they're showing a pair of episodes in theaters. The restored episodes. Yeah, that's actually uh, we're we're having that local. I considered going until I saw what episodes they well, were. Well, it's data lore, <laughs> and where no no one has gone before, which are probably the two best episodes in season one. But you yeah. know, they're still season one episodes. Yeah. But what's nice is that means that they're starting to come out. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where we get to do them on blue. Like I think they'll we'll be finished before they come out on Blu-ray, which is sad. Yeah. But it's still nice to see, and maybe we'll do a supplemental just kind of going back through our favorites or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, we need an excuse to talk about Star Trek more. <laughs> well, except by then we'll be into Deep Space Nine, and it'll feel like a step back, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going. We're not going back to season one of TNG. I refuse. <laughs> yeah, not going back, Jim. We have Cisco stuff to do. Yeah, much better. And you have good um, Cisco stuff to do because that's the other yes. dissenting thing I'm I'm famous for. Oh, not quite liking the whole Dominion War. Really? Oh, well. Well, I'm yes. interested that's, to bring you back for that. I don't dislike it. I'd rather watch it than you know ninety percent of the other of other show TV shows. But mm-hmm. there's something I really like about the first. What is it? The two or three seasons of. Uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, the first few seasons are very much like mid-range yeah. next-gen. Like, they're already pretty good to begin with. Yeah, which are like just plain... I like those politics. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I like the so fact it's not, that this... So you're not rejecting all the politics, just the Klingon no, no. politics. I just... Uh, I don't like... Uh, the thing about Dominion War, which we, sh- we should obviously get into in detail at some other time... Sure. Uh, ...is... There's something that I like in those first few seasons where, you know, it's like, this is it. This is a different show. This is not exploration. This is not, you know, tons of new... Mm-hmm. Uh, I see what you're people. saying. So you, but, so you like more of the quiet episodes like with Bejor and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that thing that, you know what, we're stuck with all these people and we need to work it out. That's fair. Oh, good. Here comes Kai Win again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that yeah, Matt. You had I a you, speaking of. Um, I'm just I'm just connecting everything this week. Uh, no, speaking of of like supporting characters, you had a note here that you wished that Kern had been like. He's another one of those characters you wish had stuck around. Yeah, apparently, I just want to rebuild the entire cast of TNG. It's not even a rebuild. I think they could have really benefited from what Deep Space Nine did well, which is a huge yeah. supporting cast. Oh yeah. Instead of just so, your seven main guys, you have a bunch of peripheral guys too. No, well, I mean, I like Kern a lot. Like. Yeah. The actor's amazing. I love. I love sort of what he what he does to the crew. Well, and the thing is, I don't think he's amazing. Like I know he's done some horror stuff and whatever, and I've seen him just act normally. He's okay, but he mm-hmm. is perfectly made for a Klingon. Yeah. Oh, totally. He's got the. He's got those insane Klingon eyes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I love the. Like, oh. I wish there was a Gun Guinan scene. Oh yeah. yes. That that would have been nice. Because seeing you know, her handle him, that would have been yeah, fun. Yeah, one the one person on the ship who could handle him would be guided. Yeah, <laughs> that but I, I also I love that uh, Picard is sort of vaguely amused by the whole thing. Yeah, he's like, sure, we could use a little discipline. Go, go ahead. Yes. Like, the most high-strung crew in the entire in all of Starfleet. Just oh, great. Yeah, they they think their captain now is a bit of a stickler. Well, yeah, yeah Jesus. <laughs> I also like how Riker suggests that he back off a little, and he threatens to kill him. Yep. That's pretty great. And then Troy giggles when he tells her about it later. <laughs> He's like, well, just recently I nearly killed Commander Riker. And they're like... <laughs> like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. Uh, what, oh, you Klingons, such a delight. Uh, I do like yeah. that Riker had to conform completely to Klingon ways when he went to their ship. But hmm. when Kern goes to the Enterprise, they all have to conform to him. Like... <laughs> Starfleet always has to win, you know, respect other knee. cultures to the point. I f- yeah, I feel like like Starfleet is the awkward guy in the room. Just, oh, okay. I'll just do what you say. Yeah, no, I I don't want to get anyone upset here. <laughs> I was actually I was thinking about it. the The very idea that the Klingons and the Starfleet would have this exchange program seems very odd to me somehow. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just I well, mean, it didn't occur to. Me- I mean, oh, oh, totally, but, like, it didn't, like, it didn't occur when we were watching the first one, but it's like, who thought of the idea, oh, no, we should switch guys? It, it and then sense. the Klingons just thought, no, that's a great idea. <laughs> I, I think the Klingons are just sort of going along with it, you know. <laughs> just, really? Some ambassador put it in a treaty, and they're like, oh, yeah. fine, yeah. whatever. It, really? It, you, you want to put one of your guys on our ship, huh? It, it's you, sort you've of seen like, our ships, right? It's sort of like their honor, you know, on a personal level, it's uh, what we've seen before. It's always just like it's actual honor. It's honor to wharf and whatnot. But on the, the larger political level, it's just like, ah, yeah, we just, you know, we need to blame someone. It's okay. You know. Yeah, there, is, there really is no honor for a culture yeah. that always talks about honor. That is a good mm-hmm. point. That That is one of the, 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 the funny things about the episode and the nice thing about the episode, that when it comes up to a certain level of politics, it does not matter at all. It's like every other politics everywhere. <laughs> yeah, else. it doesn't matter if you're Klingon or it's what. They're acting empty, like fucking yeah. Romulans. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just an empty word. Now, the thing I don't like, and this this is one of those things I try not to do, which is holding later episodes, you know, mm. against this one. 
I really like what they're setting up here. I like when they get into the whole Civil War thing later, but then it ends up all being the fault of a character that I hate, and we won't get too much into that yet, but it all I, ends up tying back to an awful Romulan character that it just... Oh, damn it, really? Yeah. Really? I forgot about that. Son of I, a bitch. Yeah, I've, I've completely forgotten most when of we, the... When we get to the end of Season 4, uh, beginning of Season 5 of Redemption Part 1 and 2, which is the payoff of all this Klingon Civil mm. War big deal... They, I'll, I'll just <laughs> spoil, you know, come on, it's 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, it ends up being Sela, which is uh, uh, Tasha Yar's Romulan rape baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And man. she's the mastermind behind everything. And then, like, three weeks later, she's the mastermind behind the Spock thing. It's just she keeps showing up and ruining it. And, like, I would have liked this whole Klingon Civil War thing starting here, going yeah. into season four, and then paying off there. Like, there was it was a cool idea. And they, I think they just kind of fucked it up there. But for now, the, the I still thing like is- it. You don't need, like, other influences. The fact no. that this is just Klingons well, is cool I, enough. The whole idea is here they set up that the Doras family is collaborating with Romulans, and they have for years. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to pay it off by having Romulan allies, which that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they used the wrong Romulans. They should have used well, Tomahawk or sucks. something. I don't know. Yeah. But I, li- I do like that, that um, Duras, like, he flat out says, my father <laughs> sold, you know, sold the uh, Kittimer out to the Romulans. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. Worf bitch slaps, and that's what. Yep. Yeah. You won't do that again, will you? <laughs> they gave us some swell ale. <laughs> well, that's that's okay, then. It's blue. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any further I remember, points? Uh, oh, I remember when I had the uh, I had the, the TNG Game Boy game mm-hmm. back when I was mm-hmm. a kid, right? And, like, it was basically super simple star uh, spaceship simulator thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, every time they would have you would have to fight Klingons... Uh, <laughs> It would come up with a thing. Uh, Captain, you're being attacked by Klingons um, from the House of Duras, so it's okay we can kill them. <laughs> well, and that's their loophole. Like I've said, they've always wanted to keep the Klingons as bad guys, and so they always have rebel Klingons or mm-hmm. offshoot Klingons, and the Duras family is just another example of that. Yeah. But it's okay, because I do really buy that they're always stabbing them so- each other in the back. So. <laughs> Most well, of them have knives. <laughs> yep. All right, any further business? Uh, yes. Um, I just wanted to say that Commander Kern has excellent spacing. Oh, God. That's a, that's, that's a little jokes, typography, really? oh my typography God. humor for you kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I'm good. You guys you two can finish this one together. Matt, why don't you tell us your quote? I have a little, uh, little palate cleanser here. All right. Um, uh, this, is, this is another one of those episodes that just has quote after great quote. But a lot, I a lot of really over-the-top Klingon-y, like... Proclamations of greatness and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and there's also some really go- like some of the goofy lines that I tend to, yeah, to go for. Uh, I love uh, <laughs> dramatically going, "I will eat your cooked bird." Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, I eventually went with uh, uh, it, the, the most extremely badass line Worf has in this episode. It is a good day to die, Doris, and the day is not yet over. Yeah, and that one gets repeated a lot later on, which is usually yeah. to good effect. I don't think they ever run it into the ground. Yeah, but this is the first time, and it fucking rocks. It's kind of his uh, spoon! Like, it's his, <laughs> yes. it's his battle cry. <laughs> the one other note that I had here before we move on is the, the, the plot in this episode sort of strikes me as a late-season late Simpsons episode, which is, it starts out that Homer has a new wacky Klingon boss, but then by the second <laughs> act, it's totally about something else. That was one of the things I love about this episode. No, I do too. It's just, it's a thing that the Simpsons sort of started doing and it wasn't very good. But no, in here it's a total, like, 
guess what it's about? Nope. So it's like what Vishal was saying. Like, mm-hmm. it tricks you. You think it's going to be the standard episode, and then it becomes something you've never seen before. Yep. Which is really cool. All right. So the other episode was Allegiance. And mm-hmm. Vishal, why don't you tell the fine people what happened there? Right. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say Famous Mark. Uh, <laughs> right. Allegiance. Um, a stiff bout of plague eradicating makes Picard take a snooze in his quarters. <laughs> that or he's studying himself before going to meet the dreaded USS Hood. Or is that the Hood D? <laughs> anyway, he's space-napped during said nap by the monolith's Hawaiian shirt cousin setting off the ship's alarms and finds himself in a strange room with some other nappy folk. But what's this? War finds the captain still in his room and sipping cognac and reading a book. If you hadn't got on by now, this is another one of those mostly interchangeable episodes where interchangeable crew members are kidnapped by interchangeable alien observers and replaced with cognac sipping interchangeable doubles. <laughs> God, I hate all those ep- cognac episodes. <laughs> anyway, Picard has a quick powwow with the other nap-nap kidnappies, including uh, a Starfleet Academy cadet named Haro, she's a Bolian, and a bonnet aficionado named Mr. Thal of the planet Miser 2. They partake in the provided jelly cakes, mm, jelly cakes, and test the doors. Thal warns them not to try the fancy alien combination keypad or risk pain, several pains on the Troy scale, in fact. <laughs> Meanwhile, fake Picard, still sipping cognac, but it only in my head, Continues his fake Picarding, redirecting the ship to a pulsar at warp 2, not informing the hood of his plans, and telling Nails his reasons are secret. (laughs) Real Picard, who's in the cell, attempts to make contact by tapping out prime numbers and does other Picardy investigations. A fourth alien is beamed in, Esok. The knife-wielding stand-in for any number of Trek heavies. I frankly forget what race he's supposed to be, but, you know, he's got horrible dental plans. <laughs> and, At least he needs braces. Yeah. And then he threatens everyone with a knife, but real Picard proceeds to Picard him, and he calms the fuck down. <laughs> I like that you've turned Picard into a verb. That's fantastic. <laughs> Fake Picard interrupts the weekly officer's orgy, I mean poker game, and then goes all David Brent friendly upon the crew. (laughs) Tells Troy to inform him if anyone thinks he's acting suspicious. Troy being Troy suspects nothing at all. (laughs) Fake Picard then puts the moves moves on Beverly, dances with her, kisses her, then throws her out of his quarters. Classy. He's a regular seven of nine, this one. And this joke will make sense in five years. I I don't get that reference. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the cell, there is some space bickering. Later, there is an attempt to picard the door's control panel, which results in the, afore- <laughs> in the aforementioned several pain on the score Troy scale. Accusations are made, trust breaks down, breaks down, but soon real Picard figures out, through astute picarding, that the Boolean cadet isn't who she says she is. Fake Picard, too, has started to overplay his hand. In hindsight, it was probably not a good idea for him to regale the crew with the song in 10 forward, but there was this clause in Patrick Stewart's contract, and the writers just couldn't figure out a way to integrate it into the best of both worlds. Oh, God. (laughs) I see, I could have put in a joke about I am locutus of Borg. (laughs) Nails calls the officers to his cabin. 
for a boozy mutiny meeting in Mixer. And when fake Picard orders the ship into perilous range of the Pulsar, he gets Worf and the crew, rest of the bridge crew to disobey that lousy singer's orders. Even Wesley complies. He wasn't at the mutiny mixer, but young Wes knows better than to go against the orders of his porn buddy Nails. <laughs> when the captives finally open the door to reveal a wall, real Picard stops Picarding completely, unfurls his cape of basil exposition, and calls the fake Bolian out. It turns out it's nostril people. Damn nostril people. <laughs> They're the worst. So much flaring. <laughs> Anyway, they return to the Enterprise and real Picard traps them in a force field, a purple force field, while they're busy explaining their culture of observing, observing to him. He acts smug for a bit, sends them on their way, and then waits for the playing of sad trombone when Beverly, Beverly shows up on the bridge for no apparent reason. Meanwhile, Troy continues to suspect nothing at all. <laughs> Well, you really nailed all of, all of this episode's... Pro- I thought I enjoyed this episode. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, I, I really I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I actually did, but uh, let's roll right into your good thing, bad thing. Uh, well, my good thing about this episode is that it is completely Picard-centric, and it is all about Picard's Picarding, yep. which is a delight. Yeah, and, and on the other hand, the rest of the episode is... The, the fake Picard bits are also, <laughs> also about extremely Picard. entertaining. Yeah, it is. I'd love... You can almost tell immediately that there's something off about... I mean, we as the audience know he's fake. But yeah. besides that, just the way he's acting, he's smiling a little too yeah. much. He's standing it's, too close to people. It's pitched oh, perfectly. It's so he's just awkward yeah. enough. Yeah, Patrick Stewart... I mean, <laughs> newsflash, Patrick Stewart's a good actor. But <laughs> it's just... It's great to see the subtleties. Like, the crew doesn't mm. catch on forever. Like you point out, Troy doesn't sense it ever. Yeah, I which think, is just ridiculous. I think Nails knows it from the beginning. He knows something's off, but he's just not. You yeah, know, he's the only one that seems to be able to tell. Yeah. Well, the very second he walks in on their poker game, it's like, uh, no, but Captain, this isn't the finale yet. Yeah, I what? think he, you need to go away for four more seasons. <laughs> I think even before then, when Picard takes him aside and says, like, you know, I'm acting strangely, but it's it's all okay because I'm acting strangely. Yeah. I actually like that. that was a nice meta moment. Like yeah. we see duplicates every week, and now this yeah. one at least knows to say, "Oh, I might say things that are out of character." Okay. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. No, I we I look. I took the course on uh, doubles in uh, back in the academy. The code, I get how this works. Yeah. The code you is Queen to Rook's okay. level three. No, you give the chess code like like they did with fake Kirk in that one episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Queens to bishops level level two, or and just hope that they never encounter an alien race that can play chess. Oh <laughs> shit! Uh, and your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing is that it kind of falls apart in the last act. It suddenly, like like I said in the summary, Picard stops Picarding, and he goes mm-hmm. all Basil exposition on everything. And it it's not horribly plotted because you know you've got seven minutes and you need to wrap things up, but it's just kind of the tone just stops being as good as the rest of the episode. Suddenly, See, I like, enjoyed that. I enjoyed I, where he suddenly turns it around on them and he's like, now now I'm observing you. Ha, yeah, ha, ha. I, I did. I, I just, like that. Uh, it's you just the like dialogue that, huh? that didn't quite work for me. You know, I, I'm fair. fine with everything happening. It's just, but he's like, oh, ho, ho, I tricked you like this because you said this about that thing which you're not supposed to know about yet. Ha, ha, ha. And now, <laughs> look, my crew, I didn't even say anything to them, but I winky winked and look, they did this thing <laughs> where they made purple force fields appear. And ha, ha, ha. Now, I'm going to put you under observation. Not so funny. So hey? now, 
if if it happened in an accusing parlor, do you think you would have accepted it more? Like, was it <laughs> that it was on the bridge and not in a parlor with cognac? Yeah, <laughs> it 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 needed this more. Episode. It needed more cognac. It needed <laughs> way more, more cognac. Yeah. That's what makes Picard more palatable to you, is, yeah. is cognac. Yeah. I see. Yes. He, he needs to be sitting down with the snifter all the time. See, the thing you didn't mention about that is, yeah, he's got the cognac, yeah, he's got the book. You forgot to mention his weird little robe nighty thing that he wears. Oh, is his man cleavage shirt. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> ladies. Yes. I, I Bare-chested Picard. The legendary uh, Picard chest hair. Yep. <laughs> He basically, you know, says, Beverly, you know, examine me, see that I am perfection, and come to my room for dinner. <laughs> Behold, Behold, I am man. That was just cruel. I don't know what he was playing oh, at there, man. but uh, I felt kind of bad for her. Oh, God, yes. And really? That was my good thing. Well, okay, <laughs> tell me that. I that was yes, hilarious. Please. Okay, let's, let's, do, let's talk I about that. I just, I love the way Fake Picard just completely bails on his dinner with Crusher. Like one second they're completely romantic it up, and then she's like, "All right, I'm done. You can, you can go <laughs> no, it, now." It was really funny. It was just. <laughs> it was, but I still felt bad for her. She had this big sad look on her eyes. Yes. And, yeah. Like, Goodbye. <laughs> Poor Beverly's got blue balls. <laughs> uh, what about your bad thing, man? Good question. Where'd it go? Oh, oh there uh, the big monster's teeth look really impractical. <laughs> like, they were just about to fall out. Serious, I didn't find anything terribly remarkable about this episode. I thought it was really standard. One of those middle-of-the-road ones, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, this is one of those ones that's gonna, when we go to do the review, we're just, which one is this? Oh, yeah, <laughs> the guy's in the room. See, now, I'm, that takes me right to my good thing. I thought I hated this episode, and it turns out I was confusing it with seven or eight other episodes where a crew member gets abducted, <laughs> like, like Vishal pointed out in his summary. I actually like this one, primarily because we get twice as much Patrick Stewart, and he's awesome in both roles. Mm. But my actual good thing is the alien design and the makeup on his three fellow captives. Uh, nobody just has a fucking nose bump or warts. They, they were actually really good alien designs, I thought. I'd never yeah. seen a Bolian female before. I thought she looked pretty good. And mm -hmm. um, the guy wearing the hoodie with the wrinkly the face. Yeah, he, he... No, the... Um, no, I mean, he looked like Observer from Mr. Science Theater. Yeah, a bit, but his face was a bit more, you know, wrinkly and stuff. Yeah. He looked like Observer... Like after a bath, observer pickle face, <laughs> right? Um, and then the, I I didn't mind that guy's teeth because you know he ate some food with them, and so they were obviously not impractical. That was poisonous. <laughs> Poison, yeah. Is that what he sounded like to you? Like a like a yes. southern like a like a prospector? Aesop, no like Jerry. <laughs> you darn varmints, <laughs> trying to feed me a urinal cake. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna eat this prune man. Aesop thinks like that. Aspect jelly went out with the eighties. <laughs> he looked like um, he looked like a Nausicaan. I actually thought he was a Nausicaan at first. Yeah, you know, that's the, what I thought the too. The dudes who stabbed Picard in uh, tapestry, but apparently not. <laughs> the the race of Picard stabbers. <laughs> Human played dumb drop. Those guys. <laughs> um, but no, I like those aliens. And then the aliens at the end, the nostril people, as Vishal said. Um, I actually like. I just I like when they design aliens that don't look exactly like people. I just that's always a thing that I enjoy. And I I the way those guys here. talk delighted me. Yeah. I think they were played by twins. At least oh, those those weird yeah, twins with the with the giant jaws. Hmm. Maybe it's, in... maybe it's it's like how with the the Cardassian designs were based on Mark Alimo. I think I'm getting that that's his name. Oh yeah, uh, his, yeah, yeah, his sort of. Uh, and so everyone has looked similar to him because yeah, yeah, maybe this was a case of. You know, they they didn't maybe have flared nostrils and strangely shrunken heads. <laughs> that could be. And giant cheekbones. 
I, I just liked how Mars attacky they looked. Oh, yeah. yeah they yeah. looked a bit like that. They look a lot they, like, if I recall correctly, the aliens that will show up next week in Captain's Holiday. It, it I don't does know if remind the same me aliens. a lot of an original series episode, just the way the 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 aliens look, the, the sort of the mm-hmm. whole setup. You know, well, yeah, the testing thing again. It was, yeah, well, and that's right. That's my bad thing. It's a test again, mm-hmm. twice, again, yeah. two tests. <laughs> Although I got to say, this is one of the best episodes I've seen that situation play out. It's yeah. still a cliche, but it's it's one of the better ones I thought. But, but, I just and, love how annoyed Picard is at the end. She's <laughs> like, oh yep. god, or, or even throughout when you know. Uh, Bonnet, bonnet enthusiast guy says like, oh, our our, our species has no enterprise. And he goes, none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his species was like the French of the uh, of the future. Yes. Like, oh no, we just surrender whenever people come through. And, you know. <laughs> yes, I think I have the yes, lower but tier. without the quality culture too. Yeah, I I bet they store cheese under their bonnets. <laughs> That's in my notes. <laughs> Sacre bleu! Sacre bleu! I shall not drop it again. <laughs> Please do not try the doors. There will be much pain. <laughs> I shall escape through the back passage. <laughs> I, I don't like, think either like... of you get that reference. <laughs> Is that uh, the Pink Panther? That's Allo Allo. Oh, okay. I thought you were doing like a Clouseau. Okay. <laughs> all my French accents are the same. Well, yeah, all French accents are the same. That's just, you know, come on. All French actors are Peter Sellers? Yes. I think the thing about Allo Allo is it was a British show with exactly the same French accent for everyone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I told you, I am a sucker for people from one place trying to sound like they're from another place. Oh, yes, yes. always Mm -hmm. funny to me. Um, I really liked fake Picard. I liked, Mm. like we said, how cheery he was. I loved his song. Yep. Yeah. There's that weird moment in 10-4 where everyone's like, uh, What? I I love Jordy not knowing the words. <laughs> and then as soon as I, Picard love, turns his head, he stops. I, yep. I love Worf half mumbling the lyrics. Yep. Yeah. He like, wants to be loyal. But, yeah. <laughs> and I, I I really like, of course, um, he says, here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. And of course, that song starts playing in my head. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Moving endlessly from topic to Fake topic. Picard oh, is know. is lovely when he walks into Ted Forward and he just gives that wave. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh God. I just pictured the <laughs> uh, like the norm thing. Jean Luc <laughs> <laughs> No, I it it is like I, like we've been saying, this season really is they figured out Picard. They know what he's like now. They know how to make him yeah. likable to us and make him useful. And this is a nice episode to show him what he's not like. Show us what he's mm-hmm. not like. Like, and no, he's it, still not that personable. He's he's still not friendly, but they respect him, and it's a nice yeah. kind of way it's, to show that how far he's come. What I would have liked is that at the end, that maybe they would have acknowledged that there was something to fake Picard that people maybe liked. That he was not mm-hmm. just all oh look. He's, you know, more friendly. Maybe some guys of the crew would, you know, somebody would be like, hey, Captain. Yeah, I want him back. Team. Yeah. I want that guy. Someone tries to high-five him yeah. in the hall. <laughs> like, you shall not high-five me. <laughs> <laughs> You're busted down to lieutenant now. Oh. <laughs> you can't bust me down for this. This is under the Federation Don't Leave Me Hanging <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, yes. The bro directive. <laughs> God, you're terrible too. You're all terrible. <laughs> I I liked the whole adventure game aspect to them mm. being locked in that room. 
Yes. Use knife on panel. <laughs> yep. Yes. Use the yes. Talk to Isak about knife, and then there's like a whole dialogue tree where you try to convince him to give you the knife. Right. Exactly. Like, please, pretty, please, pretty, please, with sugar on top. Yeah. I'm selling these fine leather jackets. I'm selling these. I'll fine give you this prude-faced fellow. <laughs> How appropriate you fight like a Nausicaan. <laughs> Um, I actually, like I said before, I did like at the end where Picard could totally wordlessly tell his crew to do mm. stuff. I, mm. I enjoyed yes. that. I'm, I I like that he did that. I didn't like that. He then just said, Oh, I just did that to you. Yeah, that's true. If, if they just sort of subtly shown yeah. it without telling us, that would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like the idea that Starfleet is now like training people in how to do that. It's like, okay, look. You are going to get replaced by alien doppelgangers. <laughs> it's going to That's happen. going to happen. Yeah. We're <laughs> prepared for that it's... now. Well, and and Picard probably thinks, oh, well, it's okay because I have a Betazoid that can sense that. Yeah, well, yeah. see how yes. that worked out for you. Uh-huh. Uh, because seriously, because... what? Oh, hello, ca- oh, hello, Captain. Nice to see you. Tell me if I do anything strange, okay? I sure will. <laughs> Boy, we have fun here on the Enterprise. I were the hand at poker. <laughs> Jordy always loses. I love that, too. That's a nice just running thing where every time they come yep. to interrupt me, he's like, good, I was losing. That's definitely Jordy. <laughs> oh, that Jordy. And Morph doesn't talk like, to anyone. Nope. It's uh, the boards. I want the engines up to 95%. Yeah. Jordy's like, yes, thank you. Finally, I get so to go I do something fun. to do. <laughs> 95%. Okay. That's a good Picard. I like that. Ninety-five percent. I should go and fire up the holodeck and get that Leah Brahms back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not creepy at all. You're my only friend, Leah. Leah, ninety-five so percent. I love you. I love you, Jordy. God, are you, are yes. you guys turning this episode into slash fiction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Picard's cell, the Bolian chick starts taking her uniform <laughs> off, and oh God. Did- Captain, I've heard so much about your plunging neckline, uh, you know. <laughs> the little European wear. outfit that you sleep in. We studied you at the Academy. Mm, I did like that. Did. I, liked the, I liked her sort of hero worship, like, we know all mm, about mm. you guys. You guys are awesome. Well, I mean, he's Picard. He's the shit. I, but he's only been out there, like, two or three years. It's you know. Yeah, but he was he was yes. the shit before on the Stargazer, too. Well, that's true. There's a reason he's got that maneuver. Well, you what, pulling your... Uniform down? Yeah, exactly. They yes. teach that at the academy. Everyone does that. If you get a he wedgie, pulled... don't reach around and pull it out of your butt. Just pull down the front of your shirt and it all comes down. Yeah. It's okay. He pulls his uniform down. Right. And, then and the you will they... get a wedgie. Yes. What, what there are doing? certain races that say hello that way. <laughs> and Klingons will just do it to us. Right. All right. Any any further points for this one? Any any additional comments you guys want to make? Any further business? Uh... Mm. I'm kind of lost at this point. Yeah, we we had a bit of a technical snafu, yeah. and and we lost Michelle for a minute there. But um, I think uh, we we missed him. We were we, yes, were, we, we were talking about Picard's man cleavage when I left, and <laughs> his gorgeous man cleavage. Yeah. I I think we were done because I probably embarrassed myself talking about how glorious it was. So hmm. probably better. No, I I think honestly, I think Patrick Stewart at this point was being regarded as as quite sexy yeah. and they were supposed to pre- be presenting Jonathan Frakes as the sexy one and, mm. and maybe also data for the chicks who were weird but um, it, I think it's sort of like the situation with uh, Spock in the original yeah. uh, series he was the sort of the also for chicks one. who were weird yeah yep 
Yeah. I say that because there are very particular pe- people in our audience, pretty much our entire female listenership, hmm. yep. who preferred Spock and also Data. So, hmm. so that that's hope but, for us all that women like emotionally unavailable men. Hmm. As, as long well. as long as we're fully functional. Yes. <laughs> yes. They don't like lore at all. Yeah. No lore. No lore. No he's mad. Yep. And he hooked up with a crystalline entity. He's still out there dry humping it until we come back yep. to him. <laughs> he loves it. But no, Picard, I mean, Patrick Stewart really, at some point during the show's run, was voted, like, sexiest man alive or something like that. Like, he was he was surprisingly the sex symbol of the show. And I can totally see it. Like, I'm mm. not I'm not baffled oh, by yeah. it or anything. Yeah. But I think that's why they started it's, putting it's him hope, without a shirt. It's, it's hope for us all. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You can be 60 and still be hot. Uh, if, you know. God, if only I looked that good at oh, 60. God, I don't yes. look that good now. Yeah, no kidding. I, lo- I, don't know, I don't know what age he's supposed to be. I yeah. could tell in the Blu-ray that I couldn't tell in the um, the standard def that he's actually still got some color in his hair. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. It's still a bit huh. of brown in there. So. Hmm. Huh. I wonder if this was before or after that famous anecdote where someone asked, I don't know if it was Gene Roddenberry or someone, they asked them, you know, how come in the future this guy's still bald? And whoever that question was asked to replied, uh, yeah, in the future they don't care. <laughs> That's, I mean, if he wanted hair, they could get him some. Yeah. You know, they just throw a tribble on there. That'd be fine. Yeah. Like on that Bolian chick. Right. Yeah. She had a tribble on her head. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, why don't you go grow some hair? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a very obscure reference, Matt. Well, I was referencing the Mystery Science Theater. Yes, I know. All right. Are we ready to wrap this up and, and say what your quote is? How about that? Um. Yeah, sure. I would. Mean, I, I kind of had to struggle for a quote for this one because even though I liked it, it's sort of inert as if there's no yeah. there's not a lot of memorable dialogues. Or, it is. Um, I, a, I mean, I I liked it a little. I would say yeah. it's slightly above average for me. No, absolutely. Just barely. It's it's a great... There aren't just a lot of quotable things like in the previous episode mm-hmm. where every single line could be quoted. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's a nice exchange I, between nails and fake Picard in the in his ready room where, you know, they're like confronting each other and saying, okay, I'm, you know, you need to give me a better reason than just I want, I, because I say so. But that's, mm-hmm. it's still not a very memorable dialogue. So I just went with the, you know, the one at the end, which is basically the original series style wrap up bit where, you know, oh, you're, you're getting more. on the bridge more, with yeah. everyone's hands on their hips. <laughs> yep. You're getting more yeah. human every day, Mr. Picker. <laughs> the replica was convincing. Very convincing, but not perfect. Not perfect in what way? Well, sir, I find it hard to believe that you're that good a singer. Singer? Well, that's not so bad. I, I honestly would have gone with, you know, here's to the finest crew in yeah, Starfleet or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did want to go with the easy one, which is him singing about, I don't know, oars or something. Yeah, I was... <laughs> It was a standard naval song. Who knows what those things are about? Yeah. Crossing the equator with men and rum and buggers. I was gonna say like I I don't know the song. And I was gonna say mm. it was weird of him to assume that everyone knows the song. Mm. But then I thought, oh wait, Starfleet. Yeah. Everyone probably does. No, he prefaced it by saying, when I was at Starfleet, we would always follow a toast with a song. And mm-hmm. he, the assumption was that they they were still doing that when the younger guys were at Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, but the song it isn't that one. It's Starfleet, Starfleet, sis, boom, ba, <laughs> or or you know, Lady Gaga or something. Right. Yeah. Classical music. I don't have time for your for your Paparazzi. stuffy classical music about the buttocks. Well, po- uh, Riker's well known for his poker face. <laughs> nice and on that. that note... <laughs>
I think it's time to go. <laughs> Michelle, it's it's a, a bit of a struggle to get you here, unfortunately, from from all the way over there with technology issues and stuff. But it is always a delight, and Thank I you, wish we could do it more. I I, so. I hope to do it more too, as long as I'm in the country. And, you know, uh, Google decides to uh, <laughs> play nice. Yeah. Well, the, the the place you live now doesn't allow Skype, which is what we yeah. typically use, and so yeah. we have to find this workaround and hopefully they won't decide yeah. they don't like they, google either so. they, they keep mm-hmm. threatening to you know allow skype and it's been years and they've never done it so, <laughs> so you're just like sitting there please 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 please, yeah, please. come on yeah. so much easier no but I, I you know i say that as a preface to this is the only reason you haven't been on the show more hmm. because you know you're, you're pretty much the only person i would put up with all this crap for because it's great to <laughs> yeah. have you on well, wait, that and you, you made our logo and i feel kind of guilty <laughs> <laughs> yes i've guilted you into so many things on this show <laughs> Yeah, well, l- listen, every time I need art and you, I keep thinking this will be the last time, and you say, no, that's it. I've had enough of you. Every time you fucking give us something better than the last time. So, Yep, thank you, and I'm very happy to provide. Well, Like, like and, Picard's and- cleavage, it just keeps going <laughs> and going. <laughs> well, now I know what our cover art is. <laughs> Not Picard waving or a lot like a montage of his cleavage and his waving. <laughs> I'll see if I can put the two together. (laughs) All right. Matt, take us out. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.